0: good tonight. Normally you're really quiet. Thank you for being with us online. We're glad that you're here tonight and we're going to jump right in and get started with our, our, our service tonight. How many have a need tonight? You'll just signify by lifting your hand. If you're online tonight, if you'll comment, we want to pray with you as well. Uh, I, I do know that there, uh, if you've watched the news today, there's a threat of, of potentially some severe weather coming in tomorrow. And so we just want to pray for those that might be in harm's way Uh, I do think it's going to be more east of us, uh, but even nonetheless, we want to pray for those uh, that are in harm's way. We had hell this morning down in Godley and Granberry and Crescent and other places like that. Uh, So this is spring in Texas. So uh, anyway, and let's also continue praying for revival. Uh, Again, I don't want us to, you know, grow weary in, in that regard because I'm ready to see God do only what God can. And uh, he said, "If my people, and we're His people, we're called by His name, and we pray, that means we humble ourselves. We pray. So, uh, let's keep praying for revival and just believing God for do, to do incredible things. Let's just pray, Father. Tonight, we're just grateful, Lord, to be able to come together and study Your words tonight, Lord. I thank You for the week that You've given to us, Lord. Regardless of how the week has turned out thus far." Lord, each day, Lord, we have blessings and we see your evidence of of your concern and your love. And for that, we greatly rejoice. And tonight, as we open up, we do so with a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you that that, that you see us, you know us, you hear us when we pray. Uh, Lord, thank you that you've always been faithful. Even in our unfaithfulness, you remain faithful in all things. And I just pray for the hands that went up in the building tonight, those that are online. Uh, Lord, you know what our needs are. And I just pray, Father, for those that need some healing. Uh, God, you are our healer, and Lord, we just declare that, uh, Lord, with confidence, uh, Lord, you are our healer, and I pray that you'll touch every sickness, every disease, Lord, every pain, every discomfort, Father, that you would restore health, and I pray, for, Father, for those that just may be having a tough week, Lord, that you would uphold them with your powerful right hand, that you would minister strength and encouragement to them, uh, Lord, and I pray for all the ministries that are taking a place across the campus tonight. Lord, I pray that in each and every one uh, of the ministries that, uh, represented here on campus that you would be exalted and lifted high. And then, Father, we unite our voices and we pray for revival. Lord, we ask as the psalmist prayed that you would rend the heavens and come down, uh, Lord, and we ask that you would renew your works in our day. Uh, Lord, give us a hunger and a desire to be near you and to be with you. And I ask you to be with us in our time of study. Uh, Lord uh, open our hearts let us hear what the Spirit says to us Lord and as the storms move in keep everyone safe we ask it in Jesus name and we all said amen amen God bless you, you may be seated tonight uh, go ahead and turn with me to Joshua chapter 6 actually five and six but I'll just read I'll just read from chapter six while you're turning there a uh, couple of announcements uh, let me just uh, throw this out don't forget uh, Sunday uh, we are, uh, I'm going to kick off a new, a short series called Winning Attitudes. You know, the last six weeks I talked about getting rid of stuff and, you know, nature abhors a, a vacuum. So so if you take something out, you need to put something in. And so we're going to talk about developing winning attitudes in our Christian journey. Uh, and then also uh, Thursday week, a week from tomorrow, is our next food distribution day. Um, so... Uh, We'll be meeting at the Yellow Jacket Stadium, uh, distributing food, and uh, again appreciate your help and all of that. Also, don't forget coming up April the third, no, second. Where'd the third come from? <laughs> it's the day after the second. Uh, April the April the second is our annual Friend Day, and uh, it is it is uh, again it's going to be here before you know it. So, uh, that friend that you're asking to come or plan to ask. Don't put it off because it will be at friend day and, uh, and you'll miss your opportunity. Again, we're asking people to really be diligent in helping us reach people that are on the fringe, that don't attend uh, often, or maybe they've gotten out of the habit of going to church, uh, or maybe they don't go to church at all. You know, that's a great invitation. Uh, here's the thing. It may cost you a lunch. But if it does, what's that measured with eternity? You know, just a matter of perspective there. So, uh, anyway, that's uh, please pray about it. Ask ask. Uh, you might have to ask 5 or 6 or 7 or 10 or 20 to get a, someone to agree with you to come. But we want to fill the house. One service that day, we want to fill the house, and then we're going to believe God for a full altar. Uh, and that's what it's all about. We do these things because uh, we're interested in souls, souls for the kingdom. Uh, and we uh, continue to do our uh, par- prayers Uh, praying with the pastor on tuesday mornings nine to ten uh and uh again we we again just just trying to get the center of who we are the hub of the church back to what jesus said my house will be a house of prayer not a house of activity not a house of outreach not a house of ministry a house of prayer and out of that prayer everything else flows so uh, anyway, let's get into our teaching tonight. Uh, again, we're in our series. Uh, we have a couple more weeks of it, and I wanted to do something as we lead into Easter on Joshua. Uh, developing or strong courage in trying times. Tonight we're going to talk about through faith. Okay, through faith. And, and let's read ver- uh, chapter 6. Uh, I'll refer to chapter 5. The story I'm, we'll talk about tonight is chapter 5 and 6, but let's look at verse number 1 of chapter 6. It says now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. No one went out, and no one came in, or none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests will blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make the long blast and when, uh, with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. May the Lord add his blessing to his word tonight. I love the story. Of, I know I said this every week, but I love the story of Joshua. Uh, again, we start out with Joshua in the very beginning, chapter one, where God speaks to him and says, "My Moses, my servant is dead. Again, next man up. It's your turn. You know, now you get these people from where they are to where I want them to be." And and again, I, I love how God just reaffirmed Joshua over and over and over again. As I was with Moses. I will be with you. And, again, that's a, that's the way God does with us. He constantly reaffirms us that, hey, I'm with you always. Uh, and, and I really like that. Tonight, uh, as we get into our lesson, we're going to look at an incredible miracle. And, okay. Yeah. yeah. Somebody marching out there I don't know about? <laughs> don't start shouting because I don't uh, Anyway, maybe it'll go out. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, we're going to talk about an incredible miracle. And and listen, there are many stories in the Bible that capture one's imagination, right? But there are few that come to this level of the walls of Jericho. I mean, I I really think it's an incredible story. Again, there are many stories we could talk about uh, tonight that that would capture our imagination. But I mean, how many of us can remember uh, in kids' church, Sunday school when we were little kids, hearing about the walls of Jericho and, and, and the walls falling. Uh, you know, this story is beyond the realm of possibility uh, to our human thought processes. It, I, I've stood in Jericho. I've seen the ruins of that, that ancient city. I've seen the, the, some of the foundations of those walls. And I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, looking at it from, it's impossible It's a story of impossibility. You know, one of the facts that we need to know, again, is that it was absolutely impossible to bring down those walls. And and here's the thing about Jericho. Jericho stood between the children of Israel and everything that God had promised to them. Everything God had promised was separated by Jericho. Jericho. Okay, so it wasn't one of those things where we could circumnavigate Jericho to get... Now you Jericho was this imposing obstacle that kept the people of God from receiving what God had told and promised them. So staring at this impossibility, most people, I really believe this, I, I think it, when when a lot of people see or most people see this insurmountable opposition or obstacle, most people simply walk away. You know, I mean... It's kind of like what the what's the old saying? You got to know when to hold them and when to fold them, and when to walk away and when to run. (laughs) You know, I mean, when you're looking at an imposing obstacle like that, sometimes you just got to fold them up and just leave. But that's not what happened. You know, God's people won a tremendous victory that day. So how did it happen? Uh, Hebrews, you know, so we can sit here and speculate. How did it happen? How did the walls of Jericho? fall down? Well, Hebrews 11, uh, 1130 gives us the answer. It just simply says by faith. Think about it. Everybody wants to try to find out what brought the walls down and Hebrews gives the answer just simply says by faith. That's all. That's all it says by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. So let's dig into the story, uh, tonight in our time. We'll, we'll talk about five steps that led to this incredible miracle. Now, these steps are principles that reveal how God works with his people. So, number one, the first principle is learning who's in charge. You know, there's a saying in in leadership that says it's amazing what can be done when you're not concerned about who gets the credit. And, And I think there's a lot of truth to that. If people come together for a common cause and a common goal, and they're not worried about who's going to get the accolades at the end of the, 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 the process, then imagine how much can be done. I, I, I think about Nimrod. I think back to the Tower of Babel and, and how that they came together to build this tower of rebellion is what it was, this tower of rebellion. And, and God looked down and saw what was happening. You remember what he said? He said, if, we don't do, if I don't do something then there's nothing that cannot, they cannot do if they put their mind to it. There's not anything that can't be done if people come together. Uh, and, and so, um, so we got to learn who's in charge. Near the end of Joshua 5, and I didn't read it, but you can read it later, there's a strange encounter. In fact, verse 13 of chapter 5, here's what it says. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? You know, Jerry Clower would say, you're for us or against us? You're for us or against us? You know, that's an honest question. You know, Joshua was like, hey, man, which side are you on? Whose side are you on? President Lincoln was asked one time if he thought God was on the Union side in the Civil War. President Lincoln wisely said, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side, My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right, end quote. I think there's a little wisdom there, right? Joshua asked this question, and this person that he's talking to responds and says, Neither, verses 14 and 15. He said, Neither. He replied, But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant, The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, we tend today to think in terms of of us versus them, okay? Us versus them or uh, Republican versus Democrat or liberal versus conservative. I mean, we kind of think in those terms, uh, you know, are you on my team or are you on the other team? Are you for us or are you against us? And we all we all tend to think uh, uh, that we're on the right team. But here's the truth, that God doesn't join human teams. God doesn't join human teams. He doesn't, he doesn't take sides like that. In this case, Joshua met the commander of the Lord's army. Now, most people, most scholars believe this is what is referred to in the Old Testament as a theophany. Now, that's a big word. It just means a pre-incarnation uh, sighting or, or, or my mind just went blank. Uh, revelation of, of Christ, a pre-in, pre-incarnate uh, visitation, if you will, of, of, of Jesus, a theophany, theobian God. Uh, so, so, he's ha- so he sees Jesus, is what, it, what I'm trying to say in layman's English. He sees Jesus. And he asked him, whose side are you on? He said, neither. And then he says, well, so what message do you have? And, and the message was, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. And, and so how does, how does Joshua respond? Well, the Bible says he falls on his face, again, uh, Go backing up a little bit, and he asks the message uh, from the, that the Lord has for him. And, and the thing I like about that is he said, what message does he have for me, does God have for me? He did not ask. Now notice what he didn't ask. How can we win this battle? He didn't ask that. Or he didn't ask him to say, say hey, can you help me bring down these walls? Every one of the, listen, all of human considerations go out the door when we come face to face with His Majesty. You know, it's like that song that says, "Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His glory and grace." Remember the last part of that? And the things of this world grow strangely dim when you have that encounter with Him. All of these human considerations pale; They're, they don't even register. Uh, you know, on the on the radar, they're not even a blip, because you're face to face with the splendor and the majesty of God, and that's what's going on. He didn't ask, "Hey, will you help us win?" You know, if you're on our team, they won't they won't have a chance. Anybody ever remember in high, in in school, maybe grade school or middle school, and you go out to the playground and and you're you're choosing up teams. And the, you got a captain, two captains, and they're like, I'll take him, and I'll take her, and I'll take her, and I'll take him. And they're always trying to pull the best. You know, if I got them on my team, then we're going to win. Not so with God. He didn't go up to, he didn't fall on his face and say, you know what, are you going to help us win? Are you going to pull these walls down? You know, I said it last week, and it's, but I, it's worth repeating. God's work has to be done God's way in order to receive God's blessings. God's work has to be done God's way in order to receive His blessings. And again, I doubt anyone here online would object to that statement. But let me throw this out to you. But when we face a crisis, most of us, myself included, want to tell God how to answer our prayer. Isn't that true? I mean, we would agree that God's work needs to be done God's way so we can have God's blessings. But when it comes to our personal crisis... You know, we're not at a loss for words to tell God how we think he ought to answer our prayer. It doesn't work that way, right? How many know that? <laughs> doesn't work that way. You know, at some point, we have to yield. Again, learn who's in charge. At some point, we have to yield to the Lord. The, the, and it's not easy, is it? It's not easy to let go of the reins. We have been raised to be in charge. We want to be the captain of our own ship. We want to steer our vessel. We want to drive our car at some point we got to say Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> Let him have it. Let him be in charge. I I love how the writer of Proverbs expresses this point. Proverbs 21:31 says, "The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord." What does that mean? It just means, look, you can make all the plans in the world, you can strategize, you can you can you can have a come to Jesus meeting with the the most the most gifted thinkers around. But if God doesn't bless the efforts, they'll come to nothing. They'll come to nothing. See, we don't need God on our side. We just need to make sure we're on God's side before the battle begins. The second thing that we find in this story is we have to face the challenges. Face the challenges. We stayed uh, this last time in Israel. We stayed in Jerusalem. There's a really nice hotel there. And, and I didn't know this, but uh, but Jericho is Palestinian territory. So you actually have to cross it's, it's kind of weird to think about you're in, you're in Israel, but you have to do a border check. You, so, so coming into Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, you come down the mountains and and you're going towards the the Jordan River, and it's a left turn. I just I don't know I, for some reason I remember that. it's a left turn <laughs> and, and you, you go and there's a border crossing. And they'll come on the bus, and they search the bus. They, you know, they they want to, you know, check you out or whatever. And we went in and stayed in the hotel. There, really nice, nice hotel. Uh, you know, Jericho, the city. The thing I, that stands out about the city, it is strategically located, not too far from the Jordan River. So again, when they cross over coming out of the Egyptian wilderness wandering, they are staring right at this city that stands right in the path of where they want to go. So it's very strategic. Um, again, coming from Jerusalem, you, you travel down the mountains towards the river. Uh, the Canaanites built Jericho as a kind of a, it's more like a gateway fortress, if you will, into their land. And so any invading army is going to have to deal uh, with this walled city of Jericho. It, it, you cannot bypass it. Um, Jericho was too large and it was too strong to be, uh, to be ignored. So that's why on their way into the promised land, they have to deal with it. Uh, again, there's a lot of spiritual application there because a lot of times what hinders us from everything that God's promised to us is some major obstacle that we can't get around, that we can't ignore. We have to deal with it or we never tap in to what God has prepared for us. Uh, but I don't have time to go that far. But anyway, that's, a good, that's something to hang on to right there. So, so what was Jericho to the people Uh, to Joshua and the people of God. Well, I want you to think about this. The city of Jericho was a city of pagan unbelief. It was a city of strategic importance, and it was a city of impossibility. You know, when we say that the people of Jericho were pagans, that really is an understatement. If you know anything about their history, it really is an understatement. The Canaanite religion uh, is probably one of the most paganistic, They did unimaginable things. They, uh, which included child sacrifice. Uh, You know, much of the 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 angst that we have towards abortion. You know, and you hear sometimes people talk about offering the children to Moloch. We still do that today through abortion. That that was a Canaanite religion. You know, they offered child sacrifice. Uh, They had gross sexual immorality. They actually had temple prostitutes, um, all in their form of worship. It could never coexist with the true worship of God. I know there are people today that get bent out of shape when they, when they look at and study Old Testament and they see how God told them, you get in there and you clean every bit of it out. They don't like that, but God understood. You cannot, A little leaven leavens the whole bunch. And that religion could not coexist. In fact, they got in trouble because they didn't go in there and clean house like God told them to. You know, it was a thorn in their side all those days because they didn't take care of business. You know, because, and again, this thing, they're they're not going to coexist. You know, you see these bumper stickers, you know, today of, you know, it has symbols of religion that says coexist. Christianity is not compatible with pagan religions. I I don't care how they spin it. I, I remember years ago, a good friend of mine was invited to an ecumenical service. And he asked the organizers if a particular, who was all going to be there. And they began to give him a list of names. And, and they said, we'd like to invite you to come and be a part of it. And he said, I, I can't do that. And they said, well, why not? We just want to get people of faith together. And he looked at them and he said, because their Jesus is not my Jesus, and I have no fellowship with darkness. They got offended, by the way, <laughs> that he would say such a thing. But again, that, that, that's right there. I mean, Canaanite religion and Christianity or Judaism, it could not coexist. It could not. So, so Jericho had to be confronted and defeated. And because, because the walls were so high, in fact, Deuteronomy 9-11, they seemed to reach to the sky. The city has to be completely defeated or the Jews would never be safe. Uh, just imagine they did a partial victory and they get on the other side. They would always have to watch their rear guard. There would always be an opportunity. In the last 140 years, archaeologists have done tremendous work of excavating in this ancient city, uh, and it's just amazing. And one of the things they discovered is that with the, the city, the city actually had two walls. Had two walls. Had an outer wall and an inner wall, and both of them were built on a slope, making it virtually impregnable by an attacking army. Um, and, and, but here's the thing. The road to the promised land ran through Jericho, but that whole city shouted, impossible. Number three, follow the plan. Follow the plan. So think about it. If we're going to look at these steps to this mighty miracle, we've got to learn who's in charge. Then we've got to be willing to confront. Listen, we can't defeat what we don't confront. And that's true in just about every area. If, if, if a husband and wife are having conflict or strife in their relationship, you're not going to defeat it if you don't confront it. It's just not going to happen. If, if a person struggles with addiction, they're not going to defeat the addiction if they don't confront the addiction. So we have to face the challenge again. And the third thing is that we've got to follow the plan. Follow the plan, Stan. <laughs> anyway, there's a... <laughs> I wanted to break out singing a '70s song there for a minute. <laughs> Hop on the bus. No, anyway, follow follow the plan. Follow the plan again. This is this has always been one of my one of my favorite stories, uh, and even more. I have to be honest with you. Even more after my time in the military, because this is an interesting story. I, you know, I had to learn uh, in my training. I had to learn about tactical mission planning, and there's a lot that goes into to to Warfare, particularly modern warfare, there's a, there's a lot of strategy, there's a lot of uh, uh, tacticians that really do well in planning and executing. Uh, one of my last assignments in Germany, uh, because of some of the restrictions that were in place when when I was in, uh, we did a lot of base assaults for testing security, uh, forward operating locations, things like that, and and so I've got a, I got a write up in one of the uh, magazines for this, this, uh, strategy that I put in place to attack, uh, a forward operating location out in the middle of a, of a cornfield. <laughs> uh, and I don't have time to tell you about it, but it was cool. Uh, so I had, so I love this story again, coming from that background, looking at this story through the lens of a tactician. Uh, this is a very odd approach. Okay. I mean, that, that, that's all I can say. When you look at the plan, that's a really peculiar plan to attack a city with two walls <laughs> that reach to the, to the sky. Uh, so here, here's the battle plan, okay? Let me give it to you. March around the town once a day for six days, verse number three. March with the Ark of the Covenant in the front, verse four. Put seven priests in front of the Ark, verse four. On the seventh day, march around Jericho seven times, verse five. On the seventh day, march around Jericho seven times, verse 5. Have the priests blow the ram's horn as they march, again, verse 5. On the seventh time around, uh, on the seventh day, have the people shout, verse 5. When the people shout, notice what he said. When the people shout, the walls will come down, verse 5. When the walls come down, enter the city and conquer it, verse 5. Now, that's it. That's the battle plan. Odd, right? Joshua added a few other things to it. Verse 10, he instructed the people to be silent as they marched around the city. Uh, verse 13, he put soldiers in front of the priests and behind the ark. And again, verse 13, he had the priests blow the ram's horn, or shofar, continually. Okay? So at this point, the people had a clear choice, just like us. Every one of us have a a clear choice. Everything that we do every day, we have a choice. Their choice was this. Either they attempt to take this city following God's instructions, his plan, or they come up with their own plan, and if they do that, they suffer overwhelming defeat. That's it. I can either follow his master plan or I can come up with my own plan, but the Bible says the way of a man is not within himself. It It is not within a man who walks to determine his path. In other words, we're not smart enough to really, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So they had a choice, a clear choice. Either follow God's plan, as ridiculous as it sounded, or they had to make up their own plan and hope for the best. To their credit, we're talking about the story because they chose God's plan. Okay? For six days, they marched around one time, each day and then they returned to their camp on the seventh day at the end of the seventh time around the city the priest sounded this long blast of the shofar the people shouted as loud and as hard as they could again what's the chances of that working right again the whole plan can be summed up marching blowing horns and shouting that's the plan (laughs) I mean sounds more like a football game than a wartime strategy but that was God's plan And from a human perspective, the Joshua plan doesn't seem very promising. Has God ever asked you to do something that was uh, a little peculiar? Anybody? I mean, has God ever asked you to do something that you didn't understand, and yet you stepped out anyway? That's an uncomfortable thing. I remember I was new to the district back in the early 90s. It was probably... Well, I was pastoring here, so it may it may have been ninety four, ninety five uh, time frame, I was at district council. It was held at the uh, Calvary Temple when it used to be J Don George there on on uh, one eighty three and Beltline Road. Massive church there. You go by there now, and you got TBN on on the uh, east side of them, and they're still the church is still there, and it's a big building, two balconies, a huge building. And we're I'm new to the area. I don't know anybody. Uh, I met the superintendent. Brother Debose and Brother Durwood Debose, and that's about it. And I'm sitting there in this district council meeting, and we're, you know, we're having services, and we're praying at the end. And I felt like the Lord, I felt the Lord impress upon me that I needed to say something, that 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 He was wanting to do a miracle that night. There was somebody that needed a miracle, and He wanted me to go up. And I'm thinking you know, I'm like, you know, I got these TV cameras all over the place and this is a big building. And, and I'm like, who, who am I? I mean, I, you know, you ever struggle with those things? I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm like, have somebody else do it. That's more known, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm nobody, you know, but how many know when God tells you to do something, you just, <laughs> so I'm there and I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable, more uncomfortable, more uncomfortable. And I thought, okay, so I finally go up, you know, and we're, we're, there's altar, the altar time, people are praying, and I just walk up on stage, this big building, and I find Brother DeBose, and I, I, I pull him to me, and I said, God, God wants me to say something, and I said, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know what the protocol is for this. And I said, this is, I, I'm, I'm new, and he said, you know what, here, and he shoves the microphone in my face, and the word that night was there was a lady there that had just, uh, had uh, recently been di- diagnosed. With cancer. And that God was going to heal. And I don't, I don't, I don't do stuff like that. And God was gonna heal her. And I said, I, I I don't know who this is for, and I don't I, I'm very uncomfortable. I said, but I'm gonna be obedient. I said, there's somebody here, you're recently diagnosed with cancer, and and God wants to heal you. Well, apparently everybody else knew about it. That there was somebody that, you know, was up high up in the district that their wife had gone and was diagnosed with cancer. And so they went and brought her down and prayed for her. And she's still, by the way, cancer-free since then. You know, I mean, there there are things that just don't make sense. And there are things that just make us uncomfortable. Joshua's plan is an uncomfortable plan. I mean, what in the world? We're we're out here as an army. We're going to take down this city, and we're going to do it by walking around and keeping our mouth shut? How's that work? I mean, how exactly will that bring the walls down? I mean, what would uh, think about this. What would happen if we went to the Great Wall of China and tried this strategy? <laughs> of course, number one, that would be a really long walk. <laughs> you know, I think 1,600 miles or something like that. I mean, what would happen if we got on the Great Wall of China started shouting, blowing ram's horns? You know what? i tell you what would happen. You'd probably be arrested and, and committed to an institution. But the story's not over, <laughs> okay? Remember the promise, number four. Remember the promise. This, this, this is something you gra- we can grab hold of here tonight. How were they able to do that? As ridiculous as it sounds, they remembered the promise. What gave the people hope of taking Jericho? Well, the answer is really simple. They had to remember the promise of God. That's all they had to do. God said, "Remember, God said He was going to give them the city." In fact, this is what God said. I read it to you. This is what God said before Jericho. Before you know, He gave him the plan. Verse number two of verse of chapter six. He said, "See, I have delivered the delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and fighting men." Past tense. Past hints. What does that mean? It means when God gets involved, it's as good as done. That's it. When God gets involved, it's as good as done. That's what gave them the courage to walk around once a day and then uh, seven times on the seventh day. When God speaks, listen, we can take it to the bank. We can take it to the bank. That's what gave Joshua the confidence to follow God's plan. He knew that God had already guaranteed the victory. Think about it. That's why, you know, sometimes it boggles my mind that we have people that struggle with besetting sin. When I think, you know, sin, Paul said to the Romans, sin should not have dominion over you. Because of what Christ did and who we are in Christ. Sin shouldn't have dominion over us. We, we can't cop out and say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, but he came to change the way we am. He came to empower us. To make us more than conquerors. That's how Joshua did it. If we want that type of miracle in our life, it's the same thing. We've got to remember the promises of God. I said it Sunday. There's 7,487 positive promises of God. How many of them do we know? How many of them have we hid in our heart that we can rely on when things get tough? Because I promise you, I'm going to be preaching Sunday on tough times. Again, he knew that God had guaranteed the victory. All he had to do was obey what God had asked him to do. That's it. God had already promised the victory. He said, it's already, it's already there. I've already given it to you. You just got to kind of walk in and enforce the victory. See, God put himself in the middle of the battle plan. By placing the Ark of the Covenant in front of the people, God was here's what God was telling them. Remember, the Ark represents God's presence among the people. And, and so when they put the Ark in front of the people, it's God's way of saying to the people, I'm leading this parade. I, I'm leading this thing. Follow me. You know, I wonder. <laughs> again, with my imagination, I wonder what the people of Jericho were thinking. Yeah, you ever thought about that? I mean, we already know. We already know from Rahab's testimony uh, in in Joshua two that they had already heard about the Red Sea. Uh, they had already, you know, they already heard how God had parted the Red Sea. They knew about Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. They knew about how the children of Israel had already defeated um, uh, Sion and Og, the Amorite kings. I mean, they could see for themselves that God had miraculously... I mean, again, from their perspective, they're close enough to the river. Remember, it's at flood stage, is what the Bible says. Flood stage at some places could be a mile wide. So from their perspective, they probably could see the water piled up in a heap. They'd already witnessed the power of God operating for the children of Israel. So they knew... I mean, they'd seen them walk over on dry ground. At the daily march around the city was kind of a divine psychological warfare, I think, to unnerve the citizens of Jericho. I mean, think about it. They knew an attack was coming. They just didn't know when and they didn't know how. And it must have been terrifying that first day to see however many thousands, tens of thousands of soldiers march march around the city that first day and then return to camp. You know, they're probably standing there on guard watching and saying, okay, this is it, this is it, okay, guys, be ready, here we go. And then nothing happened. And they're bewildered. And then the next day, it happens again. And now they're thinking, okay. And then the third day, you know, I wonder if fear began to fade away after the third day. I mean, all they do is walk around and they don't say a word. They don't throw a spear. They don't shoot an arrow. They're just walking around. You know, maybe maybe they started laughing. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm being hypothetical here. Maybe maybe they started laughing, thinking, Man, "Look at these crazy people out here." I mean, what what do they think they're going to do? They're just walking around the city. That's all they're doing. Or maybe it was a nervous laughter because <laughs> they don't know what's up next. I mean, again, they'd already seen God drive the river, so they're walking around. They don't know what's going on. Although the people of Jericho did not know it at that time, at that time they, they were defeated and the walls had already fallen down. It had already happened. They lost the battle when God got involved. And see, that's the thing for us. The enemy holds nothing against us because he's involved. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Resist him and he must flee. He's already involved. I don't have to be a doormat. I don't have to lay down for the devil. He's he's already a defeated foe. I read the back of the book. I love that old saying, when the devil comes and reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. (laughs) We already read the book. We win. There's not a great battle that will unfold someday in the future to decide who's going to rule the universe. That's already been decided before the foundations of the world. It's already been decided. He just doesn't know it. Or doesn't want to admit it. Maybe he's got a nervous laugh like the, like the Jericho people did. I mean, see, God made all the difference. Those high walls couldn't keep him out. When God decides to get involved in a situation, I don't care how high the wall is, I don't care how thick the wall is, when God gets ready to get involved, they can't keep him out. I mean, the God who created those stones in the first place could easily blow them over any time he wanted. And we don't know how, exactly how he did it, only that he did. And the city was taken by Joshua And the people It was a day when Robert Morrison was a passenger on a ship. The great missionary was on a ship to China. And history records that Robert Morrison was the first Protestant missionary to go to China. One day, the captain of the ship asked him, rather, you know, asked him in kind of a disparaging way. Here's what he asked him. He said, what do you think you're going to do, convert China? You know, kind of a sarcastic prodding question. Robert Morrison says, no, I don't think I'll ever convert China. I think God will. That's the faith that brought down the walls of Jericho right there. How am I going to take the city? <laughs> I'm not, but he is. I mean, think about it. How, am I, how are we going to defeat those things that are pressing in our life? We're not. He will, though. What did the Bible say? The battles doesn't belong to us. I'm not going to do it. He will. But we do have a part to play, and that's the last point here. Number five: Never give up. Never give up. Listen, there, there. Just don't, don't ever give up. Anybody? Well, I mean, I'm talking to mostly an older crowd tonight. You know, we we got a generation of pansies coming up today that have never been pushed to do anything. <laughs> you know, they don't understand what it is to have, you know, somebody said, be like a post-it stamp, stick to it until it gets there. <laughs> and I kind of like that. You know, some, we, 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 we don't have a lot in this generation. I mean, there's quite, there's a few that are very, you know, they're, they're, they're raised like that, but there's a lot of people today that don't have that intestinal fortitude, uh, you know, when life knocks them down to get back up and just keep going. You know, I mean, and I admire people today that, that just have that tenacity to just not give up. You, know, you hit them once, hit them twice, knock them down, they get back up and they just keep coming. You know that's how you that's how you get to that place that you want to be. you know again, why march around the city six times six days in a row? Why march seven times on the seventh day? I mean we would you know it would be easy to start questioning that and say, well, I mean, couldn't the walls have fallen on the first day or the fifth day or the third day? Well, the answer is yeah, they could have. I mean, absolutely they could have. They could have fallen any time God desired. So why are they marching? Well, the answer is clear. This is how God operates. This is how he operates. I mean, the Lord could have said, you know what? Sit tight. I'll take care of it. He could have rolled up his... Sl- I, I, I mentioned this Sunday in the sermon. You know, some, during the middle of the storm, God gets up and says, peace, be still. But on another occasion... Sometimes he calms the storm, sometimes he calms us. He gives them the grit to go through it. He could have easily said to the children of Israel, you know what, sit tight, I got this, I, I, I'll take care of it. But God normally uses his people to accomplish his purpose. The Old Testament is a great example for us. When, when the Ark of the Covenant was to be transported, David got into trouble because he ignored this fact. But when the Ark, representing the presence of God, was always meant to be born on the shoulders of men. Matthew twenty eight says, "Go into all the world." What's we're doing? We're carrying the gospel, the Christ, with us where we go. That, that's it. It's God's method. It's God's way, and God has always used mankind. Uh, or, or His normal plan is to use men. I mean, He can do anything He wants to, right? But God normal His normal plan is to use people in accomplishing His purpose. So even though God caused the walls caused the walls to fall down, the people still had to march. I mean, think about it. They still had to march. They still had to shout. And then when the walls fell down, you know what? They still had to take the city. They still had to fight door to door. You know, God did his part, but they still had their part. I think sometimes that's where we get mixed up. You've heard me say this for years and years and years. You know, there's two parts to every miracle. There's God's part and our part. part. God's part, we can't do. Our part, he won't do. It's as simple as that. I can't do God's part, and he won't do my part. He brought the walls down. Now, they had to march in and take over the city. When James, uh, Pastor uh, Boyce, who was a preacher years ago, preached on this passage, and he he noted that the Lord had given the instructions to Joshua personally. So it was was a battle plan given to Joshua, not to the people. So what does it mean? It means that the people only learn to plan one day at a time. They get up today, we're going to walk around the city. So so think about this. All he told them on day one was this, march around the city and keep your mouth shut. That was the plan. Now, again, I I would imagine there were some people perplexed by that, right? I imagine them saying, "Uh, what's the plan again? Joshua said, tomorrow we'll do the same thing again. In this case, faith meant marching in total silence around the city day after day. And again, I I, I try to imagine that scene. It's the longest parade you've ever seen. First you have soldiers and you have priests and they're blowing trumpets and the priests with the ark and then you have the soldiers and thousands of armed men marching in total silence around the city. In the circles of the city, they go back to camp. Get up the next day, they do the same thing, and they go back to camp. He goes on, and he remarks this, and I, and I like this. Dr. Boyce says, partial obedience is never enough. Partial obedience is never enough. I mean, think about it. What if the Jews had said, you know what? I'm not doing this. I mean, what kind of battle plan is this? What would have happened had they stopped marching on the first day or the fifth time around? The fifth day. Or what if they'd stop on the fifth time around on the seventh day when God said do seven times? You know what would happen? Nada. The walls would have never fallen down. The miracle would have never happened. I like what he says. There's only, there, not only is there no substitute for obedience to God, there is no substitute for obedience in all particulars to the very end. And when God does not act as quickly as we think we should, or he should, or in precisely the way we are convinced he should act, we are still not justified in pulling back or adopting an alternative procedure. It was only when the people had obeyed God faithfully that victory came and the walls tumbled down. Did you get that? It wasn't okay for them to just kind of halfway do, go around it and, and say, you know what, I think we can come up with a better way and step back. That wasn't okay. Okay. I think the same is true for us. It's not okay for us to make up our own rules when we feel like God's delay. You know, like, you ever going to show up? you ever going to do anything? And we get antsy. Anybody get antsy? We get antsy. We get rushed, and we start trying to cut corners and open doors that are not open, and we try to shut doors that we can't shut. It, we don't have that right to step back and say, okay, I'll take the reins and finish it out. Obedience is to the very end. On the seventh day, the army marched around Jericho seven times, Verse 20 says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and, all, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged in, straight in, and they took the city. That's how faith works. Were there some doubters? Oh, I imagine so. Human nature always been the same. Were there some critics? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Listen, complaining seems to be part of the human nature. It's not a spiritual gift, by the way. <laughs> it's not a spiritual gift. Complaining is not. But it does seem to be part of human nature. You know, the, these are real people who are traipsing around in the heat day after day. It's hot. It's dusty. Uh, it's, so, so you got to understand that Jericho sits in that valley. Uh, so, so the Dead Sea is 1,400 feet below sea level, lowest spot on earth. They produce fruit over there that you can't even begin to imagine. And the reason is, is the oxygen concentration at that place on earth is greater than any other place on the planet. It's rich in oxygen, and those plants thrive. They produce the sweetest dates, if you like dates, sweetest uh, uh, oranges and lemons. I mean, it's just amazing what goes on there. Well, so, so it's dusty, it's an arid place, they're, tramps, they're traping around, tramping around day after day in the heat, and, and it's just frustrating. But you know what? They did it. When they took that step of faith, God honored it, and the walls of Jericho fell down. J. Hudson Taylor, another missionary to China, who time and, time and again, you read his story, saw incredible things. God did some amazing things in very hopeless situations. And one time was reflecting on all that God had done. And here's what he said. He said, you know, there are three stages in any great task undertaken for God. Impossible, difficult, done. <laughs> Isn't that good? Impossible, difficult, done. That's how it works. So as we kind of bring this in tonight, here's one thing that we learn when we start doing anything for the Lord It won't be easy as we think. It won't be as easy as we think. You know, it's not hard to see why we have unrealistic expectations. I mean, right? After all, when we work for God, our motives are to, you know, we've got to be careful with that. What we thought would take a week takes a month. Sometimes those months turn into years, right? Enthusiasm lags. We get stuck in the mud. If we're not careful, remember when Nehemiah went to build the wall? Nehemiah goes back to build the wall, gets rallies the troops. And as they just get the headwind and they're starting to really grind it out, they got tired. The naysayers begin to speak. The critics came from out of the woodwork. It happens. Whenever we start out to do something for God, it's not going to be as easy as we think. But if we walk in obedience to His plan, He's already got it laid out. See, that's the thing. I mean, could 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 the Lord have, could God have done it another way? Well, sure. You know, and sometimes He does. Sometimes He steps in, and it is a divine intervention in the in the, the ordinaries of our lives. But but. He does that sometimes, but oftentimes it's just through the the sweat of our brow and the struggles that we have. He takes us to where he wants us to be. Sooner or later, listen, as I close, sooner or later, every one of us will end up facing a wall of impossibility. If you've not had one yet, it's coming. The bad news is it's really, really, really impossible. But the good news is God always loves to start with an impossibility. He always loves starting with the impossibility. See, the world shouts impossible. Jericho shouted impossible God said not so See when God wants to do something big he starts with something very small when he wants to do the miraculous he starts with something impossible You know as a human being I'd rather start with the I'd rather start with the big and go from there right <laughs> You know I want to start there but not with God he starts with the impossible and he turns it into a reality Those walls would not could not have come down had God not stepped in and got involved. So the real battle of Jericho was not with the Canaanites. You do understand that, right? The real battle was not with the Canaanites. The real battle was in the hearts of God's people. That's where the real battle was. Would they believe? Would they believe? Would they trust God and what He had said? Isn't that a struggle for each of us as I close? Isn't that a daily struggle? We go to the doctor and we get a report that we don't like. Immediately we're faced with a challenge. Do I believe the report of the Lord? It's like the old, I think Ron Canola used to sing that song. Whose report will you believe? We're hit with it. The battle wasn't with the Canaanites. The victory had already been won. The battle was with the hearts of the people. Would they believe what God had said? Would they risk public humiliation if the walls didn't come down? You know, I think back to that time so many years ago, stepping up on a stage in front of people that I had never seen before, didn't know very many of them at all, and and knees knocking together and scared to death. Sometimes you just got to take a risk. Risk humiliation. What if the walls didn't come down? I mean, would they do what seemed absurd in order for God to do the impossible? They did. Again, Hebrews 11.30 says, the walls fell by faith. That's it. How, how will you and I face and conquer our own walls of impossibility? By faith. That's it. By faith. And if, and, and if you move out of chapter 11 in Hebrews and you go to chapter 12, verse 2 says this, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher One translation says, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That's where it is. Where do we find that faith? Look into Jesus. He starts it. He finishes it. He's the captain of our salvation. So we keep our eyes on him. We keep our eyes on him. Do you know what the old, stand with me, I'm going to close. That way you know I'm serious. (laughs) Do you you know what the Old Testament name for Jesus is? It's Joshua. Joshua. The name Joshua means God saves in Hebrew. In Greek, shortened to Jesus or Savior. See, the Old Testament Joshua points to the New Testament Jesus who leads his people to victory. The Lord saves. And when Jesus leads the way, listen, the walls have to come down. That is the word of the Lord. Won't you bow with me tonight as we close in prayer? I'm just going to ask one simple thing. If you're here tonight, maybe you're facing right now a wall of impossibility. And, and, and whatever it is, could it could be, could be finances, it could be health, it could be relationship. I mean, spiritually, I mean, it could be any number of things. But you're facing a wall of impossibility right now. And you're here. Tonight, not by accident. You're here by divine appointment. You're online tonight by divine appointment because God knows you got a wall that you're facing and it's shouting to you, impossible. But God said, No, look at that story of Joshua. Just obey. Just obey and follow my plan, and I got you covered. Anybody here tonight say, you know, Pastor, I'm facing one of those walls, and I just I want faith to rise up. You know, you said the wall was by faith. It came down by faith. I want my walls to come down. I want to have faith to believe that God will bring these things down. If that's you, just look in, right up, right back down, and we're going to pray in closing. Amen, amen. If you're online, if you'll comment, I want to pray with you as well. Father, tonight I thank you so much for this wonderful story. Lord, there are so many nuances to that story, and there's so many things in there that we can glean, and I pray that we would go back and visit this story. Lord, you did an incredible, incredible miracle that shouted impossible. Lord, maybe that's where we are tonight. Maybe we are facing something that is impossible, absolutely, unequivocally impossible. No way around it, no way through it, no way over it or under it. But Lord, by faith, these walls will fall. By faith, this difficult thing in our life will come down. So, Father, I pray that you would just bring that reassurance to each one that raised their hand tonight and those that are online tonight, that we, Lord, that we just hear the word of the Lord and that we walk by faith every day, trusting your plan and walking in obedience. And as we do so, may those walls crumble. May those miracles happen. May those situations be rectified and taken care of as we do what we do by faith in you. And, Father, I thank you for that. And I thank you for your abiding presence and power Now, I ask you to go with us tonight. Give us a great, restful night. May we sleep soundly in you. Keep us safe. And Lord, should you, tarry, bring us on Sunday. Uh, Lord, I ask you to bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west that need an encounter with you. And even now, ordain what you're going to do on Sunday. I love and I bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.